Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. My name is DJ Wooldridge, and with me today for a very special episode is Mr. Adam Hlavik. Hey, man. Woo! Hey, you got the last name right. Look at you I, go. I, I, re- I realized as I was... 2021 list of people I want to work with. Boom. I was I was like barreling through. I'm like, oh, dang it. Maybe I'm going to do this wrong. Because uh, my last name isn't the easiest to say, so I know that life. I know what it's yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel that. So how are you doing, man? Update the kids at home. What are you into? What are you doing? Where can they find you? All that jazz. Uh, so in November, I launched a new YouTube channel because... You know, everyone did that last year because of the pandemic. So that's been fun. But I, I, I yeah, I launched a new channel with Augustine and Hector. And for the last like three, four months, we've been mostly do doing reaction videos to some of our most anticipated shows. So we started off with Mandalorian and that did incredibly well. So we're like, let's keep this going. There's a there's so much stuff coming out in 2021 on TV. So we figured let's see if we can kind of make this work for more stuff. So we've been doing WandaVision that obviously have its final episode this week. We just started Superman and Lois and I'm glad we did because it's really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, you know, there's just so much Marvel stuff happening for the rest of the year that will keep us busy. So that's that outside of, you know, working uh, full time at Hyper, that's been like my second job, I guess you could say. So that's been that's been really fun and you know it's always every time you think about doing some new project or undertaking a new new thing like this you're always like i'm gonna have all the time in the world and then you get knee deep into it and you're like i don't have any time for anything and i'll sleep when i'm dead yep yep i know i know exactly how that is i know so when you guys do your your reaction videos Mm. are you like up at midnight uh on on zoom uh, watching watching uh wandavision (sighs) Yeah. <laughs> cool. So yeah, cool. So every Thursday night at midnight, we, we, we get together. We didn't do that for Mandalorian for the first like four, three, four episodes. We were like, well, we'll just kind of do it at our convenience. And then we realized we were really missing out on the views, really. Yeah. We're like, you know, if we, if we, let's just do one at midnight. Let's see how it works out for us. And if it, if it gets us better traction, then we'll, we'll switch to doing it at midnight. And Mandalorian ended up doing really well for us. So we're like, okay, fine. The Disney Plus stuff, we'll do it at midnight. Uh, so yeah, every, every Thursday night at midnight, we log on Zoom. Everybody's recording their own little OBS video. And we use the group watch feature on Disney Plus to yeah. do those. Um, CW has been a little trickier. I, I've like reached out to so many people to try to like, figure out the science behind this but watching cw stuff whether it's like youtube tv or something else is such a nightmare so uh, we thankfully we've had press screeners but we had a press screener for the first episode the pilot in the last five minutes with the big reveal it had no audio so we had to to go on youtube and somebody had ended up ripping the clip so we're like well they didn't want you to spoil it they didn't want you to spoil (laughs) it I guess. So, yeah. So every Thursday night, we've been doing the Disney Plus stuff. On Tuesdays, we do the CW stuff. And then starting March 26th, we're doing Invincible. Hell yeah. Have you had Amazon a chance Prime. to check it out yet? Uh, no. I was told we might be getting them early, though. Cool. Well, but nothing's need, happened yet. One, if you need help with that. I know some people to contact. Uh, I <clears throat> what am I allowed to say? I like it. That's I'll say that. I like the I've I've seen uh, the first three episodes, uh, and they are good. <laughs> son of a bitch, <laughs> and, they, and they are good. That's awesome though. Yeah. We've been we've also been we started doing we did I think the first seven volumes of Invincible, and then I think we did three or four of the tie-ins. We talked about the comics cool. on our channel. Unfortunately, comic book videos don't do as well so i'm stunned i i've never run into that in my own experience i'm shocked it's it's kind of a bummer because i think the comic book is so damn good and just based on doing those videos and the trailer reaction that we did and being part of the skybound creator creator fest expo so many people are not aware of invincible so there's a little part of me that's like how well will these reaction videos to the show do? But I hope they do well because I want more people to discover the comic book because it's so good. Yeah, it's always interesting. I, if, I, I don't know if this is what you're here for, kids, but this is what we're talking about. It's interesting <laughs> to see what people react to because I've, I've noticed that like, um, like when we were covering Lovecraft Country, those videos did better than now that we're covering WandaVision. And I wonder if it's maybe because everybody's covering WandaVision. So there's a little, Interesting. Less, little less competition with Lovecraft Country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually like pretty – I shouldn't say I'm pretty surprised at how, how well WandaVision is doing. But I just didn't think – I didn't think it would do as well as it's doing. You're you talking know, about like your I knew, coverage of it? 
Yeah, like yeah. I knew that <clears throat> I knew that the videos would get um, traction. But when I look at the numbers with Mandalorian, we kind of set ourselves up as a Star Wars channel, mm-hmm. which we had like the opposite effect when we were doing stuff previously. Star Wars was always the hardest thing to really like sell people on. We're fans of this. Like yeah. it's kind of the thing that got my whole like film school, you know, creative juices flowing. Um, but WandaVision, and I think a part of it was our, one of our videos ended up on Reddit. And if one of your videos ends up on Reddit, mm-hmm usually people show up for it yeah um so it's it's been a, it's been a very interesting run and a fun fun journey to to do that we've never done tv reactions before ever mm-hmm. we always said we would never do it because it's such a time commitment because you have to get but, up at midnight to watch WandaVision. <laughs> yeah but also you know a lot of people have asked us over the years do arrow do flash do legends of tomorrow do agents yeah. of shield and i'm like those are 25 episode long seasons yep. and they're 43 minutes a piece that's so much time yeah wandavision and mando you know they're like 25 to 35 minutes long it's and so funny because like a lot, episodes yeah a lot of the fans are like we want longer episodes i'm like no this is good this is, I'm no, okay. this is okay. I love the shorter form. It's otherwise we wouldn't make these. We wouldn't make these videos. You know. Yeah. I think there's if there's one show that I wish that I will probably end up going back and doing that I really would love to do. It's Watchmen. Yeah. 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 Watchmen was so good. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, and it's it's definitely worth the revisit. Well, yeah. we like to start every episode off by talking with our guests about what we are into this week is there something mm-hmm. and it, we say what we're into this week it could be anything i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna check your own I'm like wait you didn't watch this this week yeah <laughs> is there something you're into that you'd like to share with the class um i would say the big thing that i'm mostly into right now just because of the stuff that we're making is superman lois and wandavision yeah like usually whatever i'm watching if it's if it's for like work type of purposes, that's kind of the only thing i'm really invested in yeah. i've surprisingly not been watching too many movies i've been revisiting some old stuff yeah like i did just rewatch x-men days of future past twice in the last two weeks nice um but that's kind of that's that's mostly it it's kind of a boring answer because everything (laughs) that i'm doing people can see everywhere else um but i'm definitely trying to do like more research that's specific to the i have a dog in the background uh uh i'm trying to do a lot more research that's specific to the YouTube platform about growth Ah, and how to like, you know, building up your audience and all that sort of stuff. So that's really been my primary focus in the last um, week, month, you know, is really trying to figure out how can we really maximize what we're doing um, on the platform. So because it's always evolving and all that stuff. So it's, you're always trying to keep up with this damn thing. Yeah. It's such, it's such a weird thing because like, uh, my experience when you're talking to people that are like are, work at YouTuber in the know and you're like, so mm-hmm. what's the, what you, mm-hmm. like they don't like, nobody, nobody really knows. Like yeah. people have some good, good uh, research or guesses or whatever, but nobody really like knows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is there yeah. one, if that's what you're into right now, like researching that, is there one tip you can, that you've learned that you can share with the kids? One, gro- one growth tip that you're like, Oh, that's good. <sighs> I mean, some of them are very obvious, you know, things like consistency. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I know a lot of people that start out that they don't do that they need to do more of is really doing a deep dive on analytics and studying the audience. You know, studying the audience is is super, super, super important because when we started, we were making, we were doing like 30 minute long reaction videos plus doing reviews of the episodes. Mm -hmm. And you just look at the back end of the analytics and you see, well, not enough people are watching these reviews, the retention is dropping. Same thing with the reactions. Whenever we shift over, you know, to talking about things that are not completely relevant to the show. So we've just been like tightening up our edits and making them shorter, a little bit more concise, kind of to the point. And then we do all of our theorizing and breakdowns at the end for like five minutes and that's it. And it's, it's led to more people watching and it's led to longer retention. So that's the biggest thing. And I, I won't, wouldn't say that I necessarily ignored it before, but I don't think I did as deep of a dive uh, as I am doing now and really looking and seeing like what parts are people watching the most? What are they watching less of? Okay. If they're watching less of this, I don't need to make it such a pivotal part of the video and shortening up our intros has been extremely helpful. You know, we intro the video in 60 seconds or less, and then we get into the thing and it's helped tremendously. Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, yeah, I know people don't like to look at the analytics because uh, numbers are boring, but (laughs) 
they, they can be, but I, I get excited by it. I used to hate it. I, I used to hate it. And now I look at it and I'm like, ooh, okay, what is our audience doing? Where are they shifting? Where are they coming from? Whose channel are they coming from? Yeah. It, it's, it, it, I've learned to love it in there a sick, twisted way. Mm-hmm. It's Stockholm Syndrome. They got you. Uh, <laughs> so for me, the, the, I've, been, I've been catching up on, on a few things. I've actually had an opportunity to, to um, check out a couple stuff. I actually just watched uh, Shin Godzilla be, uh, mm. the other night. Um, anybody excited for Godzilla versus Kong? Not connected, but very cool. So highly recommend. <laughs> I cannot wait to see that psychotic movie. It's it's going to be insane. I will. Say, have you ever seen Shin Godzilla? I have. I have the. I have the Blu-ray, and it's in okay. this house somewhere. Yeah. So it was the the most recent Japanese uh, right. guy in a suit. It's not always a guy. There's some CG there, but guy in a suit Godzilla movie. That Godzilla would fuck up Kong. Kong would not have a chance against that Godzilla. Like about halfway through the movie, you're like, oh my God. Anyway, <laughs> um, but what I wanted to really talk about was I haven't had a chance um, on our main show, on a regular show, to talk about Future State. DC did a Future State rollout mm. um, with, uh, it, was, it was a kind of an interim story in the past two months as some editorial changes happen um, that take place in an alternate future, multiple alternate futures. That aspect of it isn't entirely clear um DC loves to mess with those things they love to they, you know uh just stop poking it is my it's the, the, the death metal ended i talked a little bit about this with jason Edmund when he was on the show death metal ended like all continuity happened and it's like but what does that mean, mean. like does batman know he was in the 1930s and he shot people like what is it when you say that what does that mean and and i yeah. just just leave it alone just don't just stop messing with it it's fine but anyway um, so the, this is, you know, it's probably part of this initiative 5g that got canceled. And so that's where these stories went. But, um, so now the initiative is done, uh, and I've had a chance to read the books of that, that I'm going to read. And some of them at, at first, when it first started, I was like, this is fun, but it's not like special. It's like, it's Jonathan Kent's Superman, but it's, it's a, it's just a Superman story. Like it's nothing, mm-hmm. it's nothing really to write home about. Now we've gotten into it. There's a few books, um, uh, and I and I actually thought the Superman line benefited the most from this because we had um, Superman Worlds at War, which which ostensibly is about Superman on War World, which is ruled by Mongol in a gladiatorial Planet Hulk esque tournament. Oh, I also have a dog. Hey, um, hey friends! Hey. Hello. Uh, normally, I just remember normally that dog's in here with me to prevent that from happening. <laughs> um, so. Uh, he, but it's more about like there's there's people at home pil- taking pilgrimages to Smallville because Superman's not been around and then like processing mm-hmm. what is what does Superman mean to them and stuff like that. Really, really cool book. Um, ending like a lot of these stories is a little abrupt, unfortunately, uh, because I think it was supposed to be part of a bigger thing and now it's just this. Um, but also, uh, Superman House of L, which follows. I guess centuries in the future, Superman's kids have kids have kids, and it's and it's basically and it's not as um, what's the word I want to say? Like nihilistic is too strong a word, but it's not as nihilistic as Game of Thrones, but similar yeah. in that you know you have the House of L dealing with a threat. And when I heard the pitch, I'm like, oh, I don't care, I don't care about Superman's kids. I, <laughs> I don't need any of that stuff. But when you get into it, it allows for an opportunity because it's spoilers. It's, Kal-El does show up and he gets to be Superman. But all these all his offspring get to have these different personalities, different abilities, depending on like one of them is part Tamaranian, which is what Starfire is. Um, different perspectives, different attitudes, different and it's like, oh, actually, more of this, please. like of all the all the future state books, like what well, give me do this more, because this is really cool. Um, so I I highly recommend those. And I wanted to also shout out Imperious Lex, which is uh, written by a friend of the show, Mark Russell, amazing satirical writer. Um, uh, Black Adam gets a backup in Future State uh, Suicide Squad, which is the only – all these books have these backups. The only one that is better than the main book is the Black Adam one because it is – bananas it is crazy <laughs> um and it's supposed to be it actually takes place in the alternate future of dc 1 million which is a grant morrison story from back in the day uh and it's one of those like literally the entire universe the fate of the entire universe hinges on black adam and so part way you're reading through is like why did they make black adam such a big deal here and then he shows up and he looks exactly like dwayne the rock johnson you're like oh that's why Yup, <laughs> but it's it's a great it's a great story. Um, and I also wanted to shout out to that you know obviously Wonder Woman. Um, the the new Wonder Woman is very good. Although I know there's been some 
backlash from uh, people from Brazil that it doesn't quite represent their culture like they would like. Mm. Um, New Batman is great. But I also wanted to shout out uh, Batman Dark Detective, which follows Bruce Wayne after he's supposed to be like, he was it was an attempted murder so now he's underground and he has no money and no resources and broke batman is my favorite batman give me i love it i'm into that yeah i i really i really recommend that one because i just i you know batman that when he doesn't have money is great because he has all the skills of batman but he doesn't Mm -hmm. he can't just call in like 15 bat tanks to save the day (laughs) i've i've really um i've really fallen off the comic book Aside from Invincible, I when the pandemic hit, you know, I mean, comic books pretty much stopped being produced, anyways. Yeah. Um, but I, I've I really have missed reading more stuff. We used to do a show here where where we would read comic books every single week and talk about them, and I've really I've really missed them a lot. And I know that DC has done so much stuff in the last year and trying to always play catch up is so damn hard, so damn hard. So I I very much like cherry pick certain things. And I know that no matter what I pick, I will never be fully caught up to what's happening. Yeah, it's tough. It's and it's an expensive hobby to have. Yeah. Uh, And it's when you're doing the physical, which is what I do um uh you know it can take up space like i've got i think i've got like nine long boxes and it's getting to a point where it's like i need to figure out a way to offload some of these you can't see it less but back there Mm -hmm. there's about six boxes that are bigger than i they're huge they're just filled with comic books and i'm like I I I need to get rid of these. I need to do something with them. And there's not like so a great much. solution to that. Like I don't know where you where no, you No, I'm I'm to. like I'm Jason Inman. Hello. Are you <laughs> looking for comic books? That's that's how that goes. Are you running one of those charity drives again? Can yeah. we, can we... Is it are you doing another one this year? <laughs> I have a lot of comic books for you. I need to there's a few arcs that I committed to that I shouldn't <laughs> have and I would like to uh, get well, rid of them. A lot of mine actually I worked at DC for like a really short amount of time so I I collected way too many. Mm-hmm. And then I have friends who work there who are like, you like comics. And I'm like, yep. trades, 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 no single issues, please. Yeah. I can't, I don't have the room. I couldn't imagine um, having worked there. I went, we were lucky enough to go to their offices. I think I just went there the one time and it was like being in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It's like, this is amazing. It's insane. That and office they, is so cool. Uh, and you know, and they're just like, oh, here's kind And there's like li- lines of them. Like you can just pick up what you want. I'm like, this is yeah. nuts. It's similar I mean, to, it was nuts. Similar to um i've been to the skybound office a couple times yeah. and it's a similar like this is magical <laughs> yeah and then they have the they have the library well i know they like remodeled and they moved around a little bit since i since i've worked there but i they had like a, a library that only one person had the key to and that mm-hmm. had like very very old copies of you know the older comics and all that kind of stuff that they use for research or when they need to when they digitally um rescan old books and they need yeah. some sort of a reference of like how is it supposed to look what's the color supposed to look like yeah uh dc office is damn i'm like if i could have a divider on my door that is just a giant mural of superman and batman and wonder woman i'm like i don't need anything else in life mm-hmm. I, you know it's interesting now that you mentioned that i've always kind of wondered whether they have like i know i believe and i'm not the biggest star wars expert so they're gonna rip me to shreds if i get this one wrong i, I got you boo-boo. star star wars had or maybe still has what was it called the holocron like, they literally had a guy whose job was continuity he's continuity guy and now i think it's like what maybe like three or four or five guys yeah they have i don't know what they call them but yeah. they definitely have like a committee of people i think it's about five or six people now that and like their sole job is to be like what's happened in the era of all these star wars stories yeah and i just wonder so, with like the i wonder if dc if they have something like that or if it's one of those like listen the the trains left the station we're 80 years deep in this shit it doesn't we we're doing the best we can all right uh, i mean maybe in the comic books but in the movies that's definitely not happening yeah yeah you know the yeah uh-huh um <laughs> so let's before we get into so next subject next subject so um uh well, obviously, you know, we were here to talk about um, Superman and Lois, and, and obviously people had some questions for you about uh, Zack Snyder Cut aspect ratios. Before we get into all that, something I wanted to discuss with you was the news that just dropped as of this recording um, that Comic-Con 2021, I wrote here, canceled. Well, not, it's, can- it's, it's <laughs> at home. It's, it's a digital yeah. one. It's not canceled. Yeah. Um, do you have thoughts or feelings on this? This will be the second year in a row that it's Comic-Con at home. My thoughts are good. Good. You mm-hmm. uh, you took way too long last year to make this decision. Uh, that that was kind of nuts that they waited so long to make the decision whether or not they were going to have Comic Con as cases were going 
Yeah. And I'm like, guys, this is just cancel the damn thing. Um, I, and I know they did, they did, they did a virtual con last year. I did not watch much of it. Same. Um, I think for a lot of people, the wind was kind of taken out of their sails when no DC and no Marvel. And I think yeah. like, that's why a lot of people go to comic con nowadays, which, you know, you can love it or you can hate it, but that is the reality. And I think comic con itself has always kind of dropped the ball on bringing a virtual event to fans. Yeah. I know that they tried it at one point. They had like Comic-Con HQ or something, but that, I don't know. It never really was the thing that I had always pictured in my head would make Comic-Con as a virtual event really fun to watch. Yeah, You know, the fact that we don't have live streams of what happens in Ballroom 20 and Hall H, there's this huge, there's this like mindset there that, well, everything that we bring to Comic-Con has to be exclusive. Yeah. Which was like fine before 2014 and 15, but now it's just going to be harder and harder and harder to do that. I think if you're going to bring something to a con, plan on putting it out online. And if you want to bring an extra thing that is only for the con, then like that's fine. But I know like Aquaman, for example, they brought a trailer that was like the first main trailer that they put out publicly. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, hold on, we have another one for you. And they played a whole second trailer that was exclusive to the con. Yeah. So I think like them doing a virtual thing is is great <clears throat> and I I'm glad they made the decision this early. You know, I think for the city of San Diego it is a big loss to not have over 200,000 people come to your to your city on on a 4-day weekend to just spend a ton of money. Yeah. Um so I really do hope that Comic-Con puts something that's a little bit more exciting than they did last year and hopefully because they've sort of had a year at that point to kind of plan that I'm, I'm hoping that they bring something fun that doesn't mean that i'm not going to go down there and get myself a california burrito though mm -hmm. that is definitely still going to happen yeah uh, i'm from san diego so my family is all down there so i always have a reason to go down um so I, i'm i'm very interested to see what the programming will be and what they do you know i know we've been really living in this like zoom skype world for the last year we love it i will say watching the what was it what was it the golden globes or was it the emmys i don't know it was the golden globe that just happened yeah golden globes yeah, yeah yeah my most frustrating thing is to see like you have a nice setup Thank you know you. my my setup is okay my camera is nice your camera is nice kind of your trash. camera and your lighting's good <laughs> but you know 99.9% .9 of people they're not using any lighting they're using their webcam they're yeah. not even plugged into their ethernet and it's really tough to watch like mm -hmm. it's really hard to watch and i really do hope that for whatever virtual events big virtual events we have this year that there's a little bit more effort put into how they look because i think presentation does matter for those sorts of things yeah and if you're going to take time out of your your weekend or your day to watch a presentation you kind of want it to look like that's the nice thing about the disney investor day presentation like that thing was polished yeah you Same know it looked the, really solid uh dc fandom the dc fandom dc event. fandom and i honestly i think that to it was to their benefit to not do comic-con and for both of those well investor day is a different thing but for dc fandom in specifically to do its own event where they controlled how everything looked and flowed and what they showed and what they did. That was my favorite con of the year, you yeah. know, like it was, it was just so well done. So I think Comic-Con really needs to impress me if they want me to stick around for four days, three, four days and watch anything that they're going to put out there. Yeah. So, but it makes sense that they, that they, that they pushed it back. You know, I know that they, that Biden came out, what was it yesterday, the day before, and he's saying, hopefully all adults will be vaccinated by May. Obviously that's only the case here in the United States that mm -hmm. could also, you know, be prolonged when it comes to people all around the world, who knows, yeah. you know, Comic-Con is, is such a huge event that draws so many, so many people from all around the world. You know, I, I think it's in the best interest of of the people who were originally going to come here, but also the, all the people in San Diego and all the people who come from L.A. that it's better for them to just go virtual. And, you know, hopefully the city will figure it out and they'll have other events. I, I, I think by that point, they'll have sporting events back to some capacity at Petco Park. So yeah. they'll they'll find ways to kind of work around the loss of Comic-Con.
Yeah. Is there is something, you know, we talked a little bit about DC fandom. Is there, would you like to see them do something, a presentation more like that? And do you think if they were able to facilitate something like that, they might be able to get Marvel and DC back on board or, or if Marvel and DC realize like, oh, we don't need you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, I kind of feel like they're, it can go either way, right? Because I think both companies, they see an event like that or the events they put on and they're like, yeah, we really don't like need anybody. We could just do it ourselves. But I know that the comic con, <clears throat> they're so important to the culture of comic con mm-hmm. that I think if I was comic con international, I'd be knocking on their door and saying, please let us host this event for you. Like bring it in and let it be a part of comic con international. Let's like really get fans hyped up for the event. And then it's really on Warner brothers and, and Disney to say like, no, or yeah. yeah, let's 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 reinject ourselves into into that culture and let's be a part of it again. But I do want to see something like D- DC fandom uh, again. And I and I you know I know Marvel's event it was like investor day centric. I would love for them to just do something. Maybe not this year. I feel like they dumped so much on us. Mm-hmm. You know, at that investor day call, I don't really want too much more because I think outside of that, it gets into feeling repetitive and it gets into potential spoiler territory and i kind of want to go into whatever next phase they're doing as fresh and clean as possible but i do think that both companies would benefit from doing those sorts of events once a year and hyping up what they've got going on because like it excites everybody you know like who wasn't excited by disney investor day who wasn't excited by dc fandom all that stuff was really cool and obviously COVID has like shifted release dates and all kinds of stuff for all these projects but regardless the fact that we got a Batman trailer for a movie that's not coming out till I think now March or April, I think it's March of next year. Yeah. That's insane. That's like a year, a year and some change out. Like that's huge. So I want to see more of that type of stuff. And I've always wanted these companies to do those sorts of things and control the narrative. And I think that was the big thing that we learned from DC fandom was let DC Warner brothers control the narrative of their movies. Because up to that point, we had like five years of news articles of here's what's happening. Here's what's not happening. Then they yeah. would come to Comic-Con. They would announce a slate of 12 movies and then they would not do any of them. And just like you do your thing, just be honest and true to your brand. And if you want to be a part of the Comic-Con culture, awesome. I think it would be really cool. And I think it would entice people to or reinvigorate them to want to be a part of Comic-Con again. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what the future holds for those. Oh, Boy, will we see? Uh, we sure will. Um, let's talk about you know, talking about DC and and what those uh, boys and girls have been up to. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about Superman mm-hmm. and Lois. So you've you've been uh, pretty pretty vocally excited about this show. Yeah. Uh, you both, as of this recording, both you and I have watched the first two episodes. What are your thoughts so far? Well, first of all, <clears throat> I like the Arrowverse. I've never been somebody who has watched it week to week across all six shows. It's a lot. It's it's a lot. And I've I've watched like big chunks of seasons of Flash and Arrow and Legends and all these different things. And I've watched pretty much all the crossovers because Crisis on Infinite Earths was very silly, but I loved it. <laughs> it's hard not so, to love. All the stuff they did, yeah, it's hard come not on. to love. You get to yeah. that Brandon Routh as Superman again, and I'm like, you sold me. I'm in. <laughs> Kevin Conroy shows up. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah. Um, so when the trailer dropped for Superman and Lois, I thought I was I was already pretty excited about the show because I've enjoyed Tyler Hecklin and Bitsy Tullock as Clark and Lois. Yeah. But the thing that really impressed me about the show was the increased quality and visual effects. Yeah. And really the shift in the cinematography was huge. Yeah. I'm those two things usually always stick out to me. They're like the first things that I notice. And as soon as I, the trailer started, I'm like, I see anamorphic lenses on, on, on this show. I see a, I see a, a traditionally uh, 65 millimeter aspect ratio on this. Those visual effects be looking crispy. What the hell am I watching? Mm-hmm. So that got me really, really excited. But then the pilot, you know, we started watching the pilot and he shows up in that Max Fleischer Superman yeah. suit. Yeah. And, I burst into tears. Yeah. That happened. That was a thing. (laughs) It was just so good. It was just so wholesome and good. And, you know, he's like, oh, that's cool costume. Yeah, thanks. My mom made it for me. And he flies off and I'm like, what the hell is happening in the show? And then from there on out, 
all of the visual effects have been really solid. Like I've been super impressed with the extra money that Warner Brothers gave the CW to produce that. Yeah. The storyline is good. And we've never really had a chance to see in live action, at least uh, Clark and Lois be parents. We got a, yeah. it's like touched on in Lois and Clark and Superman returns from, you know, with a 10 foot pole. Um, and, but like now <clears throat> for me, the way I explain this show for me is this is Smallville 2.0 in some sense. Yeah. When Smallville was originally on, I was Clark Kent growing up and, and, and experiencing that story. Now, even though I don't have kids, but still as a, as a 30 some year old adult, yeah. I now more relate to the older Superman because like it's real life problems, it's money and it's job and it's, you know, all these things. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. This very much feels like now the story is being told from the perspective of Jonathan and Martha Kent, except it's Lois and Clark. And I I've really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. The the pilot was insanely solid for me. And I love that. We're not just having John Cryer's Lex Luthor that we're bringing in a new version of Lex Luthor. That's going to be very interesting. Last night we got some revelations about that Mm -hmm. and we're just kind of continuing on this like Lois being an investigative reporter, finding out, getting into the nitty gritty of what's happening in Smallville. Clark trying to balance his life as Superman and super dad, which I've really enjoyed all those dynamics. I thought, I thought it was very refreshing to see in a Superman show because normally you would think like, "Eh, it's just about two reporters working at the daily planet and he goes off and flies off and saves people. And she just writes articles, but it's got more depth and I'm glad that, the showrunners and the writers recognize that that is essentially what's important to modernizing and making Superman a bit more relatable to people. Yeah. I thought they did a really good job with that because I think, you know, our last major, obviously Tyler Hecklin has been Superman for a minute now. Um, but, uh, our last major take on the character, you know, and every time actually going all the way back, you mentioned Superman returns, in modern times, I you know people have this perception that like Superman is stale, Superman is boring, and so every time we get a new live action iteration, <sighs> it's like how do we make him edgy? And like so, Superman Returns was like it's the Christopher Exhausting. Reeve one, exactly. It's the Christopher Reeve one, but he's been gone and he has a kid he doesn't know about, and so it's like wait, so Superman Lois con- doesn't remember who the dad is, and I'm like, what are you implying? Yeah, here? so so the, we're trying to get Superman date rape Lois Lane, and now has a kid. <laughs> And then, you know, Man, so of, many problems. Uh, Man of Steel, which I think, you know, I, I like Henry Cavill as a performer, and there's elements to like about that movie. It does mm-hmm. end with him snapping Zod's neck, and I'm not yeah. over that. I'm not, I can't, I can't get over that. And so I, I, I appreciated this show found a way that, like, you, you talked about that scene where he's in the Fleischer suit, and he's like, my mom mm-hmm. made me flow away. This guy is the Clark Kent we know. He is the Superman we know. But we acknowledge that, hey, some things you can't, some problems you can't throw into space. So yeah. you can't like uh, uh, rewind the planet and be a better dad. Like you have to, you just have to figure it out. You, you just have, be a better dad. You just have to be a better dad. You know what I mean? And I think it's interesting too, because Superman is kind of like, there's always a hesit- hesitancy in comics to let um, characters grow up. I think for the, the, uh, character that we've seen this impacted most is Spider-Man where he's mm-hmm. always kind of like rewound to, in the movies being in high school or in the comics being single or whatever. Um, but if you think about it, Superman is kind of like the soup, the comic book community's dad. He's the, he's the dad of superheroes. So let him be a dad. He's like, Papa man. He's Papa man. He's a, I did like, what was Batman? This? Batman is that like sick, twisted uncle that you only like having over for the Super Bowl, And otherwise you're like, that's enough of you. <laughs> and then Superman's the one you're just like, Hey, he's just wholesome and fun. And he wants to like go play cash outside. And I'm like, yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. Let's give me more of that. I did like, uh, in yeah. this episode, we got holograms. I liked, I liked the little holograms I thought was a good one for uh, Jor-El. But we'll get into that more in a minute. Uh, it was the the twist at the end of the episode, first episode with Captain... This is spoilers for everybody listening of the first two episodes of Superman and Lois. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. The Captain Luther, it, threw, it was like, wait, because then... I don't know about you. My brain was like, wait, where was John Cryer's Luther after Crisis? Oh, he actually was... He was like a Uh-oh. major part of Supergirl, so he's not gone. So then I was like, okay, so then I had to, I, if I'm being honest, I didn't hear what he said to Superman in their big fight in space. And so I had to go look that up. I'm like, okay, so he's from, oh, so maybe he's an alternate Lex Luthor. And now I think in episode two that that is that's essentially confirmed. Yeah, and I, I for sure, I, I also 
kind of missed that dialogue where he's exactly telling Superman like what how he knows him and all that sort of stuff. I, I missed that context a little bit the first time, but I had the exact same thought. The second the credits rolled, I was like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. John Cryer crisis what happened to him he's alive what what are we what he's just on supergirl what what's going yeah so i definitely was uh, a little bit confused as well and i we've also been having the conversation because this show so far has not mentioned green arrow supergirl the flash you know any of those characters there was a part of us that was like is this hecklin and bitsy Tullock's characters from a different unit like is it a different but like why would you do that if the multiverse, if Crisis on Infinite Earths happen? Yeah. So we had this like whole conversation about it and like whether or not, you know, it was a different Earth and all these things. But this second episode, if you didn't hear it in the first one, this one definitely like beat you over the head and said like, I'm a Luther from an alternate Earth. And then at yeah. the end, they show you that. Um, so I think it's a very interesting twist. I personally would not be as excited if... It was just John Cryer's Lex Luthor because we already have him in Supergirl. Yeah, we already have him let in Supergirl. Supergirl. Yeah, like let Supergirl tell that story. It's earned it. It's been doing it for a while now. Like let that story conclude uh, when season five ends, you know, later this year, I think. Yeah. Um, so, and I and I like the dynamic now that we're we're now playing with a, a Luthor from an alternate universe. I think that's really fun and different. And I think his backstory will be fun and different. And I think how he gets here will be interesting. And ultimately, you know, I'm I am interested to see how they resolve this. Yeah. Because if he blames Superman for essentially the destruction of his planet, how do you how do you defeat a character like that who will do almost anything to make sure that you are essentially dead? Yeah. You know, this feels a little bit like a Zod character from Man of Steel who is going to do anything they can to try to defeat you and like to what point what's the boundary line how do you move that boundary line to defeat that character yeah could be interesting if they go that deep another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, I, and I think it's a great, I, I agree with you, because at first I was thrown off, but then I thought about it. I'm like, well, one, this this provides a, a couple opportunities. One, it gets them the opportunity to do their version of Luther. Yeah. Uh, one, it complicates this Luther's perspective because we've we've been playing with the idea for a while now about you know Luther perceiving himself as the hero and seeing Clark right. as a threat. But a lot of the depictions of Luther are a lot, and I actually really enjoy John Cryer's take on Lex Luther. But it yeah, is very, he's it, great. It's very much in line with the like Gene Hackman. I'm just stoked on being evil. Like I, there's yeah. like I'll I'll give you a speech about how I'm the good guy, but like really <laughs> I'm just amped up on how evil I am. And so yep. th- this one, it's like. I thought the 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 line that really contextualized things for me, uh, for maybe people that didn't watch the episode, you know, obviously this version of Luther's been going around trying to collect kryptonite, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he reveals that in in this universe, the main universe, this Sam Lane and Superman are are roughly allies. There's they're they're, they're frenemies, kind of like Sam's a little pain in my ass, if yeah. I can be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then uh, uh, Captain Luther reveals that on his Earth. Uh, he and Sam Lane are on the same side. And then we see that earth where Superman's wearing the black costume that we last saw in the Elseworlds crossover. Mm-hmm. And he's just nuking soldiers with his laser vision. Um, and so this little AI, this version of Luther's little AI is like, well, this well, Superman on this earth seems super different. He's like, yeah, for now. I'm like, oh, now. that's actually a really solid perspective. Cause like, if that's what you saw, you're like, yeah. you know, maybe it's worth uh, making sure that never happens. <laughs> uh, I, this might be an unpopular opinion or question and or statement <laughs> is uh does everybody have a little bit of a little bit of a hard on for a black superman suit superman is that like a thing that we're going through right now like are we over yeah. the blue the red and the gold and now I it's all know. about the black and the silver 
here's the thing with me like i i hear you on that i'm not as big i mean it's it was cool it's cool as a reference to uh, right. uh after you know death superman and everything but mm-hmm. i gotta say when everybody's like the con i i talked a little bit about this with roxy on a previous episode of osa i don't really like it when conversations start going into comics accurate costumes because i don't think it matters that much um but name pe- a superhero movie that's like I, I, Christopher Reeve's Superman suit is probably like literally the closest thing we've ever, ever, ever had to like the most comic book accurate. Everything else has like taken on its own shape and form. And I'm like, yeah, you're a movie. <laughs> yeah, do you, the thing. You got to do the thing. But it's like, so people, when, it, when it, the conversation around like Henry Cavill's black costume, they're like, yeah. it's comics accurate. It's like, uh, no, two things. One, cape. Two, no mullet. So mm, yeah. if you're not doing the mullet, you're not really doing it. <laughs> and that to me is the biggest thing. I'm like, yo, honestly, with all that reshoots and all that crap, I'm like, you should have just committed and just gave him a CG beard and just went full on and just ate it up. But- yeah, I kind of, I, you know, I... You talk about unpopular opinions. Unpopular opinion. I actually don't hate the Justice League that came out. I I had a fun oh, really? time. Yeah, I don't, I'm not. Obviously, in, in my opinion, there's really no way to go in this conversation that's not toxic on some level because it's like I don't. I'm not going to go on record as being pro Joss Whedon. Uh, <laughs> and, and I find the Snyder Cut crowd to be pretty uh, pretty toxic as well. So it's like I don't I don't think there's a win uh, for me in this situation. Oh, dude, trust me, man. I've been feeling that since 2016 when I said I wasn't a fan of Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh yeah. You know what? And that that is the one thing I will give I I I am um how do I want to phrase this? I'm not super excited for uh Snyder Cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I'll give it is that the uncut version or the uh, the what, what the ultimate edition or whatever, Batman v Superman, is better than the theatrical one. It's better. Is it good? Am I the only? Am I like one of four people who's like it's not that much different? It's not, but it. But I. The I would only just argue thing that, that I appreciate is, about it, honestly, the only thing that like I really appreciate about it was oh the wheelchair. Yeah, it was lead. It was like, lead. Oh, also, there's that's kind of important for us to like understand why Superman is just standing there crying instead of saving people. <laughs> and also, and also, um, it, a little bit more of like Clark actually trying to report and stuff yeah. like that. It's just a little. It actually is weirdly like connected things that are like plot important. <laughs> but anyway, we don't need to get off on on the rails, rails. on that one. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, we're talking about the beard. I am kind of surprised. That it's like, listen, if the beard was such an issue, just fucking let him have the. He has the mustache, just CG your beard on the guy. He, I know. He was dead, but his cells weren't dead or something. I don't I don't know. Just it's lean into it. Book shit. You don't need to explain it. Just give the man a beard and be like, hey, my guy, you look good. Uh so going back to Superman and uh sorry, Rails. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, whatever. It's 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 what we do here. Um <laughs> uh one of the things that Captain Luther is he hands Sam Lane this like keychain, essentially. On the back of it yeah. says hell, but like the it it it's but hell. Does it? Yeah, it kind of looks a little Kryptonian. <laughs> I immediately thought yeah. of there was an arc that they did. I I think it was part of the it was either New Fifty Two or Rebirth. I think it was just just before Rebirth. There was an arc of Hell on Earth that wasn't great, and I didn't really read it, but it involved a Kryptonian whose name was Hell H apostrophe E L. So I thought of that, even though this isn't spelled the same way did you do you have any theories about the hell keychain um currently not in particular i am very interested and curious to see like what it will lead to um i feel like right now i'm so invested in everything else that's happening that the keychain thing i'm like all right we'll figure that out later we'll figure we'll figure it out i don't know where it's gonna go to or what it's gonna what it's gonna reveal um I think now I'm a little bit more curious as to how they explain, you know, was this Luther's Earth? Like, is it directly tied into Crisis on Infinite Earths, basically? Yeah. You know, and is that is that how he was able to survive? How did he survive? What did he do? How did he get to Earth? How did he even, like, you know, find his way here and all that sort of stuff? I'm, I'm a little bit more – we talked about this on the WandaVision episode from last week. We're, we're in this like interesting territory now where all these shows are dropping all these like hints and clues and things. And you have all these YouTube channels that are theorizing and making breakdowns and Easter egg videos and all these things. And I'm like, I enjoy watching those. I don't necessarily like doing the, doing the work of trying to figure out what connects to what, because ultimately yeah. I feel like it, you set yourself up for failure a little bit. And there was yes. that in- interview with the Very director true. of WandaVision who was like, I think fans are going to be a little disappointed by what they've hyped up for themselves. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that with Superman and Lois. Mm-hmm. Me, 
let me just let them tell the story and I'll, I'll be on, on the ride. And, but I think eventually, you know, whatever we do find out about what's happened there, it'll be, I'm sure they'll figure out some like fun, interesting, twisty, twisty thing. That'll, that'll, that'll be fun and cool. But now I'm just really interested to see what sort of an obstacle this creates for general sam lane and clark's relationship yeah same yeah. because uh because i like when the show was like they're kind of working i'm like i don't know how i feel about that because i think it's more interesting when they're antagonistic and so at the end of this mm -hmm. i'm like oh this is if if they do become more antagonistic this is actually an interesting way to get there yeah yeah the other thing two things that i would like to see Mm -hmm. that oh, i real quick when you mentioned the wandavision i i have been having the same feeling with all the theories like it's mephisto and the whatever it reminded me a little bit about like game of Thrones fans and they're theorizing mm -hmm. but the benefit wandavision has is instead of seven seasons or eight seasons of theorizing it's just one so the disappointment yeah. if there is any yeah. it will be less <laughs> um <laughs> But um, the, the, the I, interesting way to get about it, the two things I'd like to, I think would be interesting to see is it, I and they, it may save this one for like literally the end of season reveal. Mm -hmm. We deal this whole season with Luther and then Captain Luther and then he like walks into an office and somebody says something snarky in a chair and flips around and it's John Cryer's Luther. I'd like to see those two interact. Like I appreciate that you're kind of doing your own thing, but I right I I want to know John Cryer's Luther Luther's opinion of this Luther and his, vice versa, right? For sure. Uh, I also hope that the fact that John Cryer's Luther exists in this world allows an opportunity for them to continue to make Captain Luther more complex. Because I, I don't know how much you've heard about this, but um, one of the writers of the show, Nadria Tucker, uh, has, let's say, a complicated relationship with the show. She was let go um, mm -hmm. and, and she was very vocal about um, trying to. Uh, create more storylines for women and people of color that weren't villains and in these first two episodes it's like who are your primary black characters uh a, a luther and the boyfriend that is the it's just the biggest dick in the show he needlessly antagonistic to like, like literally everybody <laughs> it's kind of frustrating because i'm like you know he's not completely in the wrong yeah His girlfriend did kiss another dude and let's be real if that happened most guys would not be cool with it yep yeah but let's it, keep it a hundred yeah uh so I, I hope that maybe we'll see, you know, uh, while Captain Luther's an antagonist, he's not necessarily, right. quote unquote, a, a villain. The other thing mm. that I think would be really interesting is like, and maybe this is the comic nerd in me, is like, well, you can't drop an evil Superman and not have him fight the good Superman. Like, you can't not do it. He's got this black suit Superman's got to find a way over to this earth so our Superman can kick his ass is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh those would be really cool things to see. I think the Lex Luthor thing is more intriguing to me than the than the Superman fighting good Superman fighting evil Superman. But yeah, I it'll be interesting to kind of see how much after the events of Crisis, you know, like how much we'll be dealing with that sort of stuff because I know they seem pretty adamant about being their own thing and yeah. not feeling like people have to feel the pressure of watching eight years of the Arrowverse or 10 years of the Arrowverse to really understand what's going on, which I appreciate because yes. even though I've watched a, t a handful of stuff from every show, I also like not feeling the pressure. Like the five-minute <laughs> little backstory that we got, I'm like, this is the best prologue you could have given me that's, that catches everybody up to speed, like where he came from, what happened, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, as opposed to, uh, for what I think, I also am interested to find out if they'll go this route, maybe in season two, now that they've been renewed, will John and Jordan be pit against each other? You know, yeah, one brother getting abilities, one brother not. I think eventually both will have them. Agreed. But I think they will both get there on their own path. I think Jordan naturally has a lot of, anxiety and 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 anger that he's dealing with as a as a young young teen and i think john is also dealing with things in his own different way that may manifest his powers differently but i do think that both of those brothers will eventually get abilities and it'll be interesting to see if lex captain lex or, or captain luther or whoever tries to maybe manipulate one and it, yeah. it could become a whole family drama like, like it, I'm sure they're intending on. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm really interested to see how all those relationships sort of play out. And also, like, what is what is Morgan Edge really going to contribute to this to this first season? It is interesting. That other other of, than I'm giving jobs, but I'm really a shady bastard. Yeah, it is interesting. They're kind of setting him up as as Lois's antagonist. Yeah. Uh, and I'm interested to see. Um, 
I'm hoping we dive more. I like what we've seen so far, but I, I would like to dive more into Lois's. It's weird to say. I want to see more of Lois's journalism. But yeah. like a lot of the time, <laughs> she's, you know, like the wife when Clark comes home and gives him the advice. It's like, I, Lois, I usually read the comics. She's like out doing shit. Like she's got, yeah. she's got, and, and granted, agency. She's got agent. But granted, a parent should be around for the kids. Like I of get course. that, but like you know, I'm interested to see if Superman can fly off and go save shit. Then Lois can go off Lois and report shit. Go do report stuff, and that would be actually a funny episode where like Clark has to not be Superman for a day because Lois is off doing stuff, and he's like, oh, I guess I'm, okay. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite lines in this episode was uh, was her like, "You do your Superman thing, I'll do my Lois Lane thing," and I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, go do those." Thing. Things. <laughs> so you mentioned this a little bit earlier on, and and uh, we had some Discord questions about it as well. But let's talk mm. about aspect ratios. Ooh, the gift that keeps the on gift giving. That keeps on giving. So um, Joey in the chat says, "I'm not a fan of the Snyder cut aspect ratio or the black and white edition because I don't see how it really adds to the movie. But I'm open to being convinced otherwise. What what are some pros to these choices? What are, what do you think they add? And then Danny adds, um. Uh, he has questions about the Superman and Lois aspect ratio um, uh, since it was more shot like a film. So let's let's talk about aspect mm. ratios and what they give us to as opposed to what they why are there why are there uh, blocks on the side of the Snyder Cut trailer? You know, it's kind of funny. I feel like I've I've unofficially become the CEO of aspect ratios on social media when mm-hmm. people have questions about why is this more square than rectangular? I'm yep. like, what is this the is this the niche that i've carved for myself is telling people what pillar boxing and letterboxing is mm-hmm. okay yeah. <laughs> um oh man this is like how much time do you have no uh well so the big thing that i the the main thing to take away from it is the why mm-hmm. so the whole reason why Zack snyder shot the entire movie in that aspect ratio was because the intention was that when it came out in 2017 and it went to theaters, the theaters that had IMAX screens, and when I say IMAX, I mean like 65, 70 millimeter film, not yeah. digital. Mm-hmm. IMAX has really confused people because they sell people on IMAX, and, but there's like two different versions of IMAX. There's film and digital, and they both have two different aspect ratios. Cool. And I, I absolutely hate the fact that they did that. I don't mm-hmm. know why they ended up doing that. Anyway... So when the movie was intended to go in a 70 millimeter or on an IMAX screens, uh, it was going to be projected in the more square IMAX ratio, like the dark Knight and yeah. basically every Christopher Nolan movie that has like a shifting ratio. Mm-hmm. But instead of shifting back and forth between widescreen and IMAX, the whole thing was just going to be an IMAX format. Yeah. The whole entire thing. The other confusing thing that always trips up people is it's actually not shot in IMAX film. <laughs> it's shot on st- 95 millimeter film but it's shot with the like the open gate this is like this is such a hard conversation to have without actually having like reference images yeah um well thank you for attempting it (laughs) yeah so the way the way that it's captured it's on 35 millimeter film and traditionally 35 millimeter film is four perforations four perforations are those like little dots you see Mm -hmm. next to the film um and the 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 film runs up and down into the into the the camera so when you shoot something like anamorphic, you shoot the four perforations, and people are like, well, but how's a widescreen? They have lenses, special lenses that like shoot a wider field of view, but it compresses the image. And then in the theater, they use a lens to expand it. So Zack Snyder didn't do that, though. He used regular lenses like you would use on a photography camera. Mm-hmm. And I think he ended up using like Leica lenses or something. But his whole thing, when it was now that it's debut on HBO Max, he wants to preserve the entire film frame. So they gave him $70 million and he went back and he basically restored the entire film frame. Now, when I went to theaters originally in 2017, they cropped it to one eight five to one, which is like a standard widescreen. It's very close to our traditional 16 by nine. Yeah. But what they're doing is actually opening the frame back up. So they're not cropping it inward. They're expanding it vertically. Yeah. So you're going to see the entire frame instead of seeing like an extracted center piece of the frame. And I know a lot of people are like, uh, why are we doing that? What's the point? I can't really, you know, like that's up to him to really answer that question. But from everything that I've sort of compiled, his reasoning behind it is he's, he just wants fans to see what the original intended uh, distribution or exhibition was supposed to be. 
And I know a lot of people have opinions about that because people don't want to see black bars on the side. Yeah. And to an extent, I get that because we've, you know, since two, since the early 2000s, we've shifted over into an HD world where all of our screens are mostly 16 by 9. You know, we have some monitors that kind of break those rules. They're 16 by 10 or they're 21 by 9 or 32 by 9. But for the most part now, we're living in a 16 by 9 world. So to put, you know, a movie that is 4 by 3 on a television that's 16 by 9 mm-hmm. and it's like an 85-inch TV – you are getting a smaller image in some regard. Like I was telling people on Twitter, I said, like, look, if you have a projector, recalibrate your projector so it's four by three and you'll be able to see the whole image and you could expand it and it'll be bigger and stuff. So I think for the most part, what I'm learning is that studios, directors, they're not doing a good enough job explaining why we have this. Why is it in four by three? Why is it not in CinemaScope? You know, which is also like, and I get it, you know, as I'm sitting here explaining it, I probably have not clarified it any better to anybody without having actual visual references as to what I'm talking about. Um, But that's the intention. The intention is to just give people what the full frame of the movie would look like. You know, if you have an old CRT TV, an old four by three television, you're set. Mm-hmm. You're good you're to all go. Good. Yeah. If you it, have those like, remember those enormous ones that were like 150 pounds mm-hmm. that you would have to like, you know, slide back and forth just to get into your living room. Just watch it on that thing and you're good to go. You'll you're see good the to full go. frame. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because it's like, it's, it's another, it's, I'm of two minds about it. Cause on yeah. one, I do get like, you know, that's the way. I, I think I actually think you did a really good job describing because on the one hand it's like yeah yes yes it is the way that you initially wanted to exhibit it but not on mm-hmm. the right because they're not if we went to a theater if I went right. to a normal if I went to an AMC right that's not how they're projecting that shit because that's not how the screen is built because if in that version I am getting I know it's quote it would technically be to one eight five yeah it's technically more information. Mm-hmm. But it's on a smaller surface area. Yeah. And so to me, it just adds to this feeling I have and the feeling I've had about the Snyder Cut since it was first announced. It feels self-indulgent. It just feels self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows? Like, it might be uh, an amazing experience. I Do you, do you think – because obviously a lot of people brought up, and, and, I, and I, I think – Pretty accurately, actually. You know, uh, I remember when I was a kid and you'd see like the black bars on the bottom and the top of the screen. And you're like, what? Do you, I want the full thing. And then you learn like, oh, this is actually, this is yeah. the full thing. I I don't know if we're going to go back the other way, though. I don't know if TVs are going to start being more square to accommodate no. this. <laughs> well, I think I think the reason why that won't happen is that not enough stuff is being made at a aspect ratio that is taller than 16 by 9 like it's rare it's really rare most most filmmakers are staying within the one seven eight to one and wider ratio we're not really going like the lighthouse did it the lighthouse is one one nineteen to one but that's like a very specifically stylized movie yeah you know that used old lenses from like the early or like the late 1800s early 19 you know so it's like for that sort of thing, you get why they go that route. Now, most of the time, <clears throat> I feel like majority of people are going two to one and wider. Mm-hmm. You know, like you had Tarantino go all the way to 276 for Ultra Panavision for Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. And I, and traditionally, for the most part, most movies nowadays are that like, it's not technically CinemaScope, but it's as close to CinemaScope as you can get. It's 240 to one. That's like what most of you know Nolan's movies are and all that stuff. One eight five seems to kind of be reserved for stuff that are more like comedies, and it just like it really depends on the tone of your movie. If you're really trying to go for cinematic action adventure story, you know, sci fi space epic, you're going in that full like two four zero to one ratio, that like cinema scope ratio. If you're a little bit more like lighthearted or you're a TV show, you're somewhere in between one eight five and two to one. And in the rare instance, are you in one seven eight? Unless you are just a television show, and even that's like not that common anymore. You know, you were talking about Superman and Lois. Superman and Lois, for whatever reason, they ended up going with a an aspect ratio that is traditionally for sixty five millimeter film. Mm-hmm. 
which I'm like, I don't know who made that decision. Yeah. I don't know why two two twenty to one? You know, like movies like Lawrence of Arabia, two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. Those are shot in that aspect ratio. So I don't know why Superman and Lois ended up. It must have been some sort of like happy in between of like we don't want it to be two to one because that's not wide enough, mm-hmm. but we don't want to go full two four zero because that's too wide. I don't know what the decision was behind that, um, but it's it's nice. It definitely helps because when your aspect ratio ultimately it influences how you compose your shots, yeah. right? How much headroom you give, where you place things, how you use the width of the screen and all that stuff. And that influences more of the look and feel of the movie or show or, and story than what the actual aspect ratio is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what box are we building our story in? And now how are we, how are we placing everything? Where are we putting our characters and all that sort of stuff? Um, so I think, it's really allowed the show to feel more cinematic yeah. because now they're sort of like changing the way that they shoot stuff, which mm-hmm. I think looks really cool. Yeah. And then you obviously like get the things that you get with anamorphic lenses where you have like bokeh that instead of being circular are more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're more like elliptic ellipse, ellipse shape. Yeah. I right? can't help you. Sorry. <laughs> Shapes. Yeah. Math. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's cool for, for Superman and Lois and I think it also allows them for the future. It sounds like a lot of the CW stuff will eventually end up being more integrated with HBO max. Wouldn't be surprised so me. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're really just trying to set a tone early and set a look early, which also the DC universe original shows were doing that too. Titans, Doom Patrol, yeah. you know, all that stuff. So I think they're really just trying to live and establish and build this new visual language for their stories. Cool. I'm all for it. I think I think it's it's working well for for Superman and Lois. It'll be interesting to see. I think the Snyder Cut crowd, the ones that are really excited about it, are converted. I, I think he could literally do anything, uh, and they they would be fine with yeah. it. It'll be interesting to see how general audiences respond to that, and how many more explainers will have to be put out to. <laughs> yeah, he's also going back and he's doing a r- new version of Batman versus Superman that will restore the IMAX version to the full screen so they'll they'll it'll and this i think will be the real test because like wandavision wandavision doesn't usually abruptly switch to four by three and two four oh they did a little good job of later in the show once we started getting in and out of the hex a little bit there but you're right it was it's they did a pretty consistent it was shifting it was kind of shifting back and forth and you would there was a tweet that was put out by somebody who is a, a contributor to a really big superhero website. And it really pissed me off when they were like, why can't we just fill up the whole screen with the shot? Why do we have to do like different aspect ratios? And I'm like, you're missing the storytelling device, like the way they're using it to help tell the story. You're missing the whole point of it. Yeah. So, but it'll be interesting to see that if he, when he's done, I think it's coming out next, this month, actually, it's a new 4k restoration of Batman versus Superman. And it's going to be the aspect ratio is supposedly shifting from four by three to two four zero, and I'm wondering if people are going to be like very disoriented for from it being covering the entire width of your screen to then going to like thirty percent of your screen. You know, say because because it's a little different when you know you talk about. Uh, I think the first time my exposure to this was um, was the Dark Knight, where some yeah. of it was shot in IMAX, but that was literally just. There wasn't anything on the top and bottom. Now there is. Yep. Now there's not. The exactly. one that really threw me off. I want to say. Uh, this was one of the worst movie experiences. I, I hope you say Transformers. Please say Transformers. Last night, where it's literally like you'll have a conversation. I want to say it's like a conversation. And so like this way, widescreen, this way, IMAX. And you're like, what is even happening right now? What's going on? It was so bad. They used, they used six different cameras, and they just used the native ratio from every camera. And as someone <laughs> who tries to explain how this works to people, <sighs> gave me a headache <laughs> yeah i can't yeah it's uh, horrible nightmare and especially like i'm not i'm not editing on the level that the people that edit those movies are but when i edit yeah you, you just throw the little filter over and then it's all the same thing and you have to adjust a couple frames because maybe it's cutting off something you don't want to cut off but then you're good to go and then it all looks the same <laughs> it's exhausting it's exhausting what is just, a- just if you're gonna if you're going to be shifting your aspect ratios like that Make sure it is for story purposes. And I will say, in the case of, you know, Dark Knight, Batman versus Superman, Justice League, whatever, um, and WandaVision, you know, stories like that, 
that utilize it to expand the world and make it feel like you're even more immersed. Yeah. Great. If you're just doing it to be an asshole, <laughs> get out of here. No, <laughs> get out of here. <sighs> I also think about um, Legion um, on FX. Mm. Did a lot, of, a lot of playing around with aspect ratio as a way to kind of as, to specifically disorient you because you're kind of dealing with a character that that yeah. is, is dealing with his own mental struggles and a kind of N- Noah Hawley is kind of notorious for that. There was that movie he did with Natalie Portman, yeah, which I still did not see because I. I ended up hearing the reviews were not that great, but I, I, I should boat. give it a shot. Same boat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But even the trailer itself, the aspect ratio is shifting all over the place. And I was like, I was intrigued by it because it felt like it was being used as a storytelling device for you to understand the character's mental state. And yeah. obviously that must have carried over from Legion. Yeah. Um, so I'm always interested when, when movies do that. You know, there's a movie, uh, I can't remember the name right now. It's an A24. Oh, It Comes at Night, I think it's called. Yeah. Bill Edgerton. Yeah. And the longer you watch the movie, the wider the aspect ratio gets. And I think by the end of the movie, it's almost three to one. Wow. It's really wide. That movie it's is a very really, really tense, cool. at least in the theaters, it was a very tense experience. He also yeah. did the movie Waves, which was fine, but it was also mm-hmm. another very, that, that director ma- makes very tense movies. Yeah, yeah. My butt cheeks were puckered the whole time, for mm-hmm. sure. And there's not even a thing. You keep waiting for the thing, and there's not really, I, I do like the, I always, when somebody tried to ask me to explain what uh, the night of, wait, no, yeah. wow, no, it's. I went it from the night, night of it comes a night because I went from night of to the yeah. night comes for us, which is a different movie, and then uh, so many nighttime movies. Yeah, but but it's like you know, in any post apocalyptic movie, there's a scene where your heroes end up at a place where like the people seem nice but are cannibals or yeah. are crazy. What if the movie followed those people, the crazy ones, and you didn't realize it until it was too late? <laughs> uh. That's that's what that is. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, let us know at home what you think about Snyder Cut's aspect ratio and whether that it's going to affect your viewing experience or maybe other movies. You know, we mentioned a bunch here like Lighthouse, like WandaVision that experiments with different aspect ratios. Let us know what you think about that on Twitter. You can follow me at DJ Talks Trash. Adam, where can they find you and what what stuff of yours should they be checking out? Uh, you should definitely check out Heroes Reforged on the YouTubes. Uh, we're also all of our social media, Twitter, Instagram, it's all Heroes Reforged. Uh, if you want to ask me more questions about aspect ratios, you can ask me at Adam Hlavik, just my name, very simple. Um, I will answer any and all questions you have about letterboxing, pillar boxing, ultra panavision, whatever you want. I will answer those questions because for whatever reason, my brain has compartmentalized all of that knowledge in here. Mm-hmm. It's all in there for you. For it'll your... probably never make me money, but <laughs> but oh here's well. the thing: you don't know that it won't. That's true. You don't you never know, know. That it won't. You don't know. Yeah, you won't. never know. You never know. I, I I study camera sensors and all that kind of stuff way too much, so maybe it'll lead to something. We'll find out. But <laughs> but if you want to know more about that, follow him at, at Adam Lavic. You can, like I said, you can follow me at Digitalk Trash. You can follow the show uh, everywhere that matters at Only Stupid Answers. But on Twitter, you're going to want to yank the vows out of stupid. Um, Please uh, rate this on iTunes, like, subscribe, all that stuff, and we'll see you all next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.